I want to talk to some of you. How many have been facing some valleys lately? Amen. Amen. Some of you are lying to me now. You didn't even raise your hand. So, no, everything's perfect. Okay, let me try that again. How many of you have been facing some obstacles? Okay, if, 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 if you don't have any obstacles, just look at 2020. We got plenty of them. So I, I want to talk to you for a little while from this subject. I have nothing left. Abraham was chosen by God and gave him a promise. The promise would be that great nations would come from him and that he would have a child to which those nations would come. But as you know the story, many of you, he was older. His wife was older, he's 100 and she was 90 and hadn't had a child yet. So according to law, Sarah could give him her maid. Sarah wanted so bad to give Abraham a child but could not do it. So she, by law, gave her maid, Hagar, to her. And Abraham had a son by the name of Ishmael. Ishmael. So then after God reveals to Abraham, Abraham that he was going to have a son, Abraham couldn't wrap his mind around it. So in Genesis, the 17th chapter and the 17th verse, it said, Then Abraham fell upon his face, and he laughed and said in his heart, This is impossible. Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah have a child that is 90 years old? How can we have and bear forth a child? We don't have anything left. We don't have anything to offer. Ishmael, Ishmael is all we have. Hagar was the maid of Sarah, and Hagar was given to Abraham, and they had a son, and his name was Ishmael, and he's saying, this, this, is, this is all I have. I, I don't have anything more, Lord, to give you. I'm, I'm old, and my wife, he probably said that very carefully, my wife is old. But God was simply saying to Abraham, you have something that you don't know you have, Abraham. I'm already talking to somebody. I don't have anything left, God, but God said, no, no, Abraham, you don't realize what you have left is what counts. I don't have anything left, no. What you have left is what counts. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish the covenant and the promise that I made to you many years ago. I haven't forgotten you. And that covenant is going to be for an everlasting, everlasting, everlasting covenant. It's not a covenant that is convenient. That will last just a few weeks until you get discouraged, Abraham. It's not going to be a covenant when all is going well. I'm going to give you the promise. And the promise is going to be everlasting. Uh, see, you got to understand that in this world, this place is not my home. I'm just passing through. Be careful that you forget the covenant and the everlasting covenant. Because of the influences of a place that you do not belong. The world was not what you was created for. You were created for a covenant that is between you and your God. And he says, and with his seed after him from generation to generation. You get it right now, Abraham. It will be good. From generation to generation till everlasting. See, you got to understand what God was doing for Abraham 
He was not doing it for you, Abraham. I'm doing it for the future. You've got to understand this. I can live for God, but I need more than just living for God. I need a covenant that's going to bless my children. I need a covenant that's going to bless my grandbabies. I, I need a covenant that's going to go beyond just a service today. I, I, I'm going to be here Wednesday, and I'm going to be here next week, and I'm, I'm going to live for God. But we need more than just a moment of gratification. But we need a promise that goes beyond this day. Abraham, it shall be fulfilled. But I don't have anything left, Lord. I, I've spent it all. God, I, I, I've given you all I have. No, Abraham, what you have left is what counts. But, but God, no, just trust me. What little you have left in the hands of God is the turning point to everything. You got to hear what I'm saying. L listen to me very carefully. What you have left in the hands of God is the turning point to everything in your life. That's why it says in the New Testament, when you have done all you can. When you have done all you can to stand, I, I'm right here. I'm, I'm doing the best I can, Lord. I, I'm struggling. I've had some problems in my life. And I know, I know that it's, it's, it's hard. And, 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 but I'm not going anywhere, Lord. I'm going to stand here. And, and the Lord said, yeah, you keep doing that because when you've done all you can, you keep standing because I'm getting ready to do something beyond the line of your confusion and on the line of your disappointments and on the line. We don't quit. We don't walk away. We don't just look for churches that gratify and satisfy. No. We look for churches that say, go ahead. You keep standing in the midst of the adversity that you're facing. And God is getting ready to show up. When you run out, God can start. Hey. A lot of us have come here today. Feel like we have nothing left. Your agony has brought you to a dead end. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or someone you have loved. Or maybe it's the pain of a cheater's heart. Or the suffering of another one or another person walking away from you. From the building of your life today. To maybe tomorrow the destruction of another day. The dark valleys that you face. Oh, we have all faced it. The never-ending temptations that buffered us through our flesh. Thoughts that plague our mind that we wish to God we could get them out. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've got a past. And the things that have happened to you in your past has burned into your memory. You say, God, how can I get this out? flesh that seems to beat you down and in the middle of all your struggle, struggles, it's not what you have lost, but what you have left that counts. God knows that all of us don't have a whole lot to present to Him. But what little you do have is what He's looking at. Oh. And there have been times when we have all felt like David. When he writes in Psalm 7410, he says, Oh God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy, how long shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? This never seems to get better. Does anybody bear witness with what I'm saying? It never seems to get better. God, I'm at my breaking point. God, I'm just about ready to fall. And, and, and it feels like it's all imploding. It's falling in on me. And God, I don't know what to do. Can't find resolve. My peace is being challenged. My spirit is troubled. And we have all had those kind of feelings. But we have also all had this, where we've had faith in people that have disappointed us. People that have disappointed us. We've loved them unlike they have loved us. We've trusted them unlike they have trusted us. We've believed in them unlike they have believed in us. We gave to them. We invested in them. Laid our heart out on the table to them. They took, they stole from us that which was precious to us. 
We stand many times at a place of belligerent, uh, belligerent or bewilderment. I'll get it right. And we ask God, why? How long can I do this? I can't do this anymore. Trust me, I know exactly what I'm talking about because I've been there. And you say, well, you're the pastor and nothing ever goes wrong. No, you're, you're wrong there. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I questioned at times why. And I said to the Lord, I don't know how long I can do this anymore. I wish this would end. And I'm spent, God. But the question I hear resonated in my mind is when God says, what do you have left? I'm tired. I'm, I'm wore out. I, I, I feel like I can't go any further. What do you have left, the Lord is saying to me. And he's saying to you, what do you have to give him today? What do you have to give him today? Elijah was a great prophet, a man of God. And he was at a brook during a time of famine. It says Elijah was at the brook of Cherith near Jordan. And God sent him there to be fed and to have water during the time of famine. But the brook dried up. Nothing left, Elijah. Many see this as a problem. We don't have anything. What are we going to do now? We don't have anything. I'm still standing. That's what you have left. I don't have anything to give to the Lord. You just keep standing. At least you got that. You don't quit. You, you, you keep standing. See, many of people see this as a problem. But God creates this. That it is a time, he's saying, for you to move on. In other words, there are things in your life, but it's time for you to move from what you don't have to things that God wants to give you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you stand at the brook and maybe you're complaining about not having, but God says, no, I dried this blessing up so that you can move on. But some are still waiting at the brook. That is dried up and God's calling them to another place. And, and they're standing at the brook and they're still waiting on water that comes from people so they can stay where they are. Beware of people that keep giving you and giving to you and bringing you what you want so you can stay where you're at. Those people are not for you. They are against you. Sometimes it's what you don't have that will drive you to the next level that God wants to give you. Come on, somebody help me. Amen. We don't need people. We do not need people that just accommodate. No, what we need is people that understand sometimes God has us where we are so that we can then say, God, I don't have anything I can have faith in and trust in other than you. And God, I've done this on my own. I've been sitting in this brook and I've got water. But Lord, when this thing dries up, I need a word from you so that I know where to go after standing where I'm at for so long. I might just start preaching in a minute. The brook dried up. Some are still waiting for friends and family to bring to them something or maybe a word or encouragement so they can stay where they are. But some of us need to realize that God is prodding us saying, I'm getting ready to give you a word. I'm getting ready to give you something that will change you from your lazy lacks uh, Laodicean spirit. Shake you out of the norm and the mundane. Shake you out of just accepting the things that you're going through in life now. See, Elijah, when nothing is left, it's time for you to, in faith, move toward the things of God. I have a place for you beyond the brook. I have a place for you beyond your problem and your circumstance. I have a place for you. 
So he says in the ninth verse, Arise, 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 get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. He said, Go there and dwell. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Simply saying to Elijah, it's time for you to step up and step out in faith and pursue something that will sustain you. To sustain you to live on, to sustain you so that you can make room for your future. To sustain you, not only life for yourself, but to give life to another. Amen. God's not always going to bring you water and meat at the brook. He might have something more for you in, uh, in store for you. And at some point, you have to get up and get what God wants for you. Listen, I, I'm trying to preach to you today so you understand that we don't just have church to entertain you. We don't just have church so you can come and feel good about yourself. Amen. Amen. Church is for the intent to change our lives, to get us from the brook so that we can go do what God has called us to do. You want true deliverance, then you have to understand that everything you have gone through, God's going to use it. And you say, but I don't have anything. Then if you don't have nothing, just stand there because God's getting ready to put something in your life greater than you could ever imagine. Do I get a witness? Some of you are discouraged, but don't, do not be discouraged in well-doing because God is getting ready to Raise up an army of people in this last day that are willing to say, God, I don't understand why the brook dried up, but I know this one thing. I'm going to trust you and have faith in what you have in my life. Yeah. God's not going to bring you to the water. God's not going to bring you water and meat at the brook. He says it's time to move on. At some point, you're going to have to get up and move on. Invest by putting energy and effort into pursuing God's plan. Shake off the lazy spirit of your flesh. Don't lay down and die at the brook. I want to, I want to tell you that, that, that there's some things that are happening in our world that are very disappointing. Extremely disappointing. Too much is being given away to people that don't want to get up and go get it for themselves. Amen. See, they're still sitting at the brook and ask people to keep bringing the water instead of go getting it themselves. Amen. So now here we are in North America. Who had ever thought this? They're raising taxes on hardworking people to give to others that are not willing to get up and go get it themselves. Now, you may not like what I'm saying today, but I'm going to tell you, it is the truth. We got temporary assistance for needy families. I'm not against that. Supplement nutrition assistance programs. I'm not against that. Uh, emergency rental assistance. I'm not against that. Low-income home energy assistance, I'm not against that. The Lifeline program, I'm not against that. Child care and development fund, I'm not against that. Down payment assistance, I'm not against that. Stimulus checks, I'm not against that. I'm not against these things. But at some point, you got to get up from the brook and get back to work and do something that will change your future. I, I, I got to preach this because what are we going to give to our children? If we've got an everlasting promise, what are we going to give to the next generation? If we lose a generation that doesn't want to work and only wants a government to give them what they need. I'm telling you, a government's not going to save you. Amen. Politics are not going to save you. The only thing that's going to save you is Jesus Christ. And if we want to look at principles, we need to look at principles based on the Word of God. I'm not against all those things. But those things should be given to people so they can get on their feet and get up and move from the brook to the things God called you to be. Amen. He's not against helping people. He's just against you becoming so addicted the help of others that you never help yourself. 
my gosh. This is a true problem. It's not only in our government, but it's in our churches. Well, I'm going to hit you where you live now. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And we never want to offer anything other than just take, take. I never want to offer anything back. Hallelujah. Now we understand why incense has to be in the holy place. Because that's my offering. This is what I'm giving back to God. I don't have anything else. But I do have words that will spill from my lips. And tell you God. You've been good to me. God, I want to praise you. God, I want to lift up your holy name. And God, I'm going to give you glory. And God, I don't have a lot. I've been going through a lot. I'm in an abusive marriage. I'm, I'm having problems with my past. My family abused me. But God, I'm standing here today. I don't know where I'm going to go from this point. But I know you've got a call on my life. And therefore, I will trust in you no matter what the circumstance and the situation may look like. I know you got a word for me today, God. I know you're going to pull me out of the mud of my past and get me out of the brook and from the brook and trust in you for a future. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to hear me today. God is wanting to do something for you that you don't even understand that he can do. Abraham, there's more to this than just Ishmael. I want to give you an Isaac. I want to give you an Isaac, but I can't take an Isaac. Yes, you can. What's impossible with men is possible with God. You say you don't have it, but God says you do. You don't believe it can be done, but the Spirit says it shall be done. Mm. So... God says, get up from the brook. I want you to go to Zarephath. And there you're going to find yourself a little woman. She's a widow that has a son. And she's going to sustain you there. So when he comes near her residence, he sees her out picking up sticks. When he sees her, he probably could see the desperation on her face, the disappointment, the discouragement. You could almost tell that she was empty, that life had dealt her a bad hand and she just didn't have anywhere to go. Then on top of that, Elijah looks at this woman and said, bring me some water. We can get water. But then the arrow that seems to be shot from a bow right straight through her heart is when he says, by the way, make me a morsel of bread. Her countenance changes now, and we find what she says in response in the 12th verse. It says, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth. I have not a cake. I haven't got anything prepared. Behold, all I have is a handful of meal in a barrel. That's all I got. And a little oil in the cruise. I don't have much. And here I am, I'm gathering two sticks. Must be a very small amount of meal if you only need two sticks. I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's just a little of meal. She said, she said, Well, I've got two sticks and that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. This woman didn't realize she was in a great place right here. She did not understand this is exactly where the Lord wanted her. Oh, come on, somebody help me now. Amen. Some of you are struggling right here. You're still trying to figure this out and say, well, God, you know, I, I don't have anything. Yeah, I know you don't have anything. 
And, uh, well, I, I have a little bit, Lord, but uh, I know you got a little bit, but I'm asking you to give that to me. Uh, yeah, and I don't have much. And, and, and so that's when he says, the Lord said, you know, you in the 12th verse. And he said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I don't have anything. And she said, all I have is a little oil and, and a little meal in my hand so that I can prepare it. And then my son and I will die. And that's when Elijah says in 13, says, he said, fear not. It seems to me like Elijah was being a little pretentious. Thinking it was all about him. You would almost take that from that scripture. You, you prepare for me first. And Elijah said, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. But make for me, therefore, a little cake first and bring it to me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. You, you give to me first. That's what Elijah said. And I, I struggle with this scripture until I read the next one. It says, for thus saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord. It wasn't Elijah speaking. God told Elijah, he says, I will have you there that you might be sustained. Oh, you got to hear what I'm saying. you got to hear that you might not have much, but you might be bringing a little to the table. But those that are around you are going to be blessed with what you give. All I've got is praise. All I've got is worship. All I have is to continue to stand. And would you believe it that God says, if you'll use that, if you'll give it to me first. Mm. For the Lord said, thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. What little you give is not going to be give without God recognizing it. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail. There's going to be oil in your life until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. God says he's going to bless you. Listen, I'm not just a preacher wanting to take from you. And I'm not just a preacher wanting to require you. But I am a preacher standing here to tell you that it's a God thing, not a preacher thing. It's a God thing, not a church thing. It's a God thing, not a ministerial staff thing. It's a God thing, not a friend thing. It's not a religious thing. He says, God said, He's going to send oil. He's going to give water. He's going to give you meal in your sacks, so gunny sacks. And I'm going to give you that if you just trust the Lord. And, and then the Bible says in 50%, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. See, if you give to God, if you give to God according to his word, let me tell you, your needs will be met. Oil will be in your house. Oil will be in your house. Oil. What do we say oil is? Help me. What is oil? What is oil? Come on, somebody say, say it loud. Anointing. Hmm. That oil will run out if you lose your faith in God. If you stay at the brook, Elijah, you won't have any anointing. I need you to take what anointing you have, trust me, so that when you go to her house, she can get some oil too. While you're there, you're going to give her a complete different perspective of who God is. Listen, you're not here by accident. This is not by chance that you're here. Listen to me, you're getting a word from the Lord that's telling you that you're going to have a complete different perspective of what God is to you and your life. Many of you have served God through preachers, and you've served God through churches, you've served God through organizations, you've served God through religious uh, entities, you've served God through denominations, but somewhere you're going to have to serve God for yourself. And when you learn that, you've got your own barrel. Hallelujah. Mm. God wants to fill with oil. 
Bible says she did as Elijah had said. All God needs is whatever you have left over. That's all God needs. And when you say, I have nothing left, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Just stand. You still have that. Just stand. Winston Churchill is best known for the vital role he played in the Second World War. And his involvement was in guiding Britain and the Allies to victory over Germany between 1940 and 1945. Prime Winston Churchill simply said this in a speech in the House of Commons June 4th in 1940, four years uh, before D-Day. He says, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. He simply instilled into the hearts of the people to fight with what they had left. Many of them, as farmers, only had pitchforks, shovels, man-made weapons, and rocks. But somewhere in their mind, they thought, this is all we have. It's all we have. So they began to take what they had left and fight with passion. They would fight with faith. Fight with no surrender in mind. You need to put it in your mind and into your actions. You need to put it into your mind and into your actions. We will never surrender. We will never surrender to the adversary of our soul. Don't give up on what God is doing in your life. And if we die, it will be said, we will die trying. That was what he instilled into the people. Churchill knew that they were discouraged, but he said, listen, you fight because you have a cause to fight for. There is nothing more valuable than what you're fighting for, and that is, I'm talking to you, your soul is at stake. I'm just not going to sit at the brook of Cherith. I'm going to get up. with what I have left. I'm going to get up with what I have left. Let's all stand. Abraham, you tried to offer me Ishmael, but I have something more for you than Ishmael. You tried to offer me something you make and think that's going to gratify and satisfy the promise and the covenant of your future. And see, sometimes we make stuff. And we present it to God and say, God, you ought to be happy with this. God says, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You need to take what I give you. Not what you create, but what I give you. Oil and milk. Is not what you bought, but it's what God provided. Many times we, we say, but, but, but Lord, you know, I, I got talent. I've got ability. Well, that's good. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But as I've said, I'd rather have someone up here that couldn't carry a tune in a bucket than someone that has all the talent in the world. Why? Because anointing, oil, and meal, bread, is more important than just what you can offer. So when Abraham was with Hagar, they produced a child. They produced a child. They produced this child 
to which was within their ability to do so. But then God says, and he tries to present it to the Lord, like, Lord, here, can't, wouldn't Ishmael uh, be pleasant in thine eyes? I mean, isn't this good enough? Uh, stop, pause for a moment, and you might be saying, isn't my life good enough? Come on. I hear, Lord, look, look. I got everything working out for me. Everything's going great. Isn't, isn't that good enough? And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Ishmael is not what I gave you. You're wanting to present to me Ishmael and say, okay, here's the anointing, Lord. Here's the promise. No, I got a promise that goes beyond what you can make. You created Ishmael. From your wife's maid. It wasn't against the law to do so, but that's not what I have planned for you. Because the firstborn is of a maid, but the second is a born of a divine gift that comes directly from God. God is saying, no, no, no. So I'm here to tell you that many of us have learned to live with our less rather than to believe we are blessed. I have less, and so I'm going to just live with that. No, no, God says, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want, I want to give you something more than what you have ever had. I want, to, I want to give you the full and complete deliverance that you've been looking for for years. The things that have plagued your mind, the things that have, have happened in your past that seem to keep following you every time you turn around, and you can't get rid of it, and you're waking up and in, in, uh, having bad dreams and a cold sweat, and you can't figure it out, and you're like, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God is simply saying, quit worrying about the future. Why don't you just quit proposing to me what you are and what you can do to fix your problem with an Ishmael. Quit worrying about what you can, what, what your future is going to be. You let me as God worry about your future. Don't, don't, don't you keep trying to figure it out and quit trying to fix it yourself because Abraham, I need, I need more out of you than, than what you can do. Some people work harder to try to give their kids more money. And some people will, 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 will stay away from home so that they, they can stay in a marriage because they fight all the time. But I'm telling you, God's saying, wait a minute. Why don't you quit presenting Ishmael and say, okay, it's time for me to give my life to the Lord and do something different to which I've never done before. So I'm proposing to you today in my last remark here, the less God has to work with, the greater God will work in your life. Faith, 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 faith. So as they begin to sing, I feel I've poured out my heart to a people here today that says I have nothing left. But I have proposed to you that if all you have is to stand, you've got something left. And if you'll offer that to the Lord, Say, God, I'm still going to stand. Trust in me. I've got a messed up life. I don't have anything to offer. Why don't you offer him a sacrifice of yourself? Not the Ishmael, but give him yourself. And step out and put yourself on the altar instead of putting things on the altar. So today I'm asking you, you feel like I've spoken to you that I'd like for you to step out from where you are come down to this altar and just say here I am Lord Lord is my I'm making an offering and sacrifice I don't have money I don't have things I don't have he goes before me all I have is my worship and my sacrifice to stand on your word me. and here I am God putting myself on the altar I won't fear. Come on, I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. My cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me. I won't fear. I Sing hallelujah today. Hallelujah. Die am not alone. 
sing, he's my comfort. Oh, he's my yeah. comfort. Always hold me close. Come on, he always guides me today. For he always guides me. Through mountains and valleys, his joy is refreshing, restores my soul, restores my soul. On his mercy and goodness, mercy and goodness, it gives me assurance.
Amen. This is one of our new families right here. And plus, other, he was actually the one. So we're going to have him help us baptize him. Okay. Is my microphone not working? I can hear something out there. Off and off. Let's do the speaker mic. Check this one, two. I think, I think Brother Grief's just trying to turn me off. Says it's time for lunch. So uh, Isaiah wants to be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. This is good stuff. So when we take him down, I want you all to celebrate with him in worship and praise for just a few moments. Amen. Isaiah Jones, upon the confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. seeking her salvation over the past year and she's asked us a lot of questions she's been learning she's been growing she understands repentance she understands baptism and she understands receiving the gift of the holy ghost and what that means and she understands today she's going to be baptized in the name of jesus and she is extremely she has a desire she has the heart to live for god and her mom and i are so proud of her that she's taking the step in her salvation she she's come to us and this is a choice that she's making in Jesus' name. And we're going to do it right now. We're going to get baptized. Okay? You ready? Okay. Adele, by the confession of your faith and the one true God, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Wow. 